So, gentlemen, episode seven, lucky number seven. They're just the, piling up. Of the Archive Jazz podcast. <laughs> Here we are. My name's Christopher Peck. We got Jeff Lean in the house. Hey there, how we doing? And Tom Everett over here. Hey, hey. Gang's all here. So we've got a great episode for everyone today. And we are celebrating the music and legacy of Miles Davis. So we've got an interview with Miles's son, Aaron, and his nephew, Vince Wilburn Jr. Stick around for that. That's not an interview you guys want to miss. They're discussing a lot of new things that they're involved in. And it's a great interview. Yeah, it's really great that they were able to do that with us. It's awesome. For sure, for sure. Um, But before we get into the Miles Davis talk, uh, let's kind of start with a couple of headlines from around around the jazz world. Starting off with a couple of birthdays. Uh, First of all, we've got Miles Davis on on May 26th. May 26th, Um, 1926. Yeah, and then Fats Waller was celebrating a birthday on May 21st. Kind of a legendary, legendary player, eh? Kind of, <laughs> right? He's like, yeah, there are two times. I was a very bad pianist growing up when I was younger. Oh, and, yeah. uh, um, Have you improved since then, Tom? I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there are a couple of times that I was just stopped in my tracks. One was at a record store when Capitol had just reissued that Art Tatum record, when I didn't even know people could do that to a piano. Yeah. Fats Waller was one that just he, you know he's he's been feted he's had a, a Broadway musical or a musical under his name but just to hear his piano playing is like a force from another world just incredible mm-hmm. and uh, absolute the, legend one of the greatest sounds in the piano history so what more can you say about him yeah yeah so um, and a great sense of humor and a wonderful singer and. Uh, a man with large appetites and a great sense of humor and really <laughs> made some amazing records, especially the whole series he did for RCA Bluebird, reissued later. There mm. you go. And Christian McBride on May 20th. So happy birthday to him. Yeah, he seems like a guy that never ages. I wonder how old that Christian McBride is. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And and one of those guys that's, you know, leading the way. Yeah. I knew I knew Christian when he was with the Benny Green Trio with Carl Allen um, back in the 80s before... Before he had really made a step forward, and his career is just so broad. Yeah, he does so much between the trio, um, his own work, uh, his big band. Yep, and uh, he's got a, a a heart as big as his uh, talent. He's a wonderful, wonderful guy. Yeah, he came through Nashville uh, last year and did a the Jazz Night in America, which is an NPR series, which he, if you haven't checked out, is a very cool thing. And you know, you know, like Tom says, he wears a lot of different hats and. And uh, they they literally go to different cities and bring the recording equipment and the uh, the video cameras and and interview the jazz scene in the city that they're in. So they came to Nashville and did that. And I got a chance to play with him with uh, Rasan Barber mm-hmm. and some others, and it was just amazing to play behind him. You know, mainly the bass players are walking quarter notes. You know, when we're talking just like right. straight ahead jazz, just like a timekeeper. Yeah, but I mean his t- but those quarter notes were like. I don't know. They're like the thickest quarter note you've ever you ever played on. So there's so much room as a drummer, and everybody else to just kind of sit in the middle of that, or sit on the edge of it, or whatever. But it's there, and it's it really is something else. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, talk about a guy with a lot of knowledge. I mean, yeah, he's right up there with the best of them, and sweetest could be. I mean, there's there's no one of the nicest people in the world. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Cool. Yes. Very. He's a very giving guy with uh, young artists and. Uh, 
very open heart and willing to share his talent and advice with anybody, really. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it seems like just yesterday we were talking about um, the 2019 National Endowment for the Arts Jazz Master Awards, and uh, just a few weeks after that ceremony, they've announced the latest, the 2020 Jazz Masters. Um, so we've got quite a list there, wouldn't you say, guys? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, tremendous, tremendous. Reggie Workman, one of the real great foundational, so to speak, bass players in the history of jazz, and it's so nice to see him being recognized at the age of 81. I mean, this is a guy yeah. that was on some of the key John Coltrane recordings, besides a bunch of other things, but Impressions, uh, Olay, Live at the Vanguard. Uh, he's just one of the greatest in the history. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and apart from, from Reggie Workman, there's also saxophonist Roscoe Mitchell. Roscoe Mitchell is one of the uh, uh, Chicago avant-garde players, played in the Art Ensemble of Chicago. Um, recorded on Delmark, that whole that whole group of people of uh, Lester Bowie, Malachi, uh, Maurice McIntyre, and a bunch of others. Um, one of the most distinctive sounds in in jazz. I was fortunate enough at the Big Ears Festival, not this year in '19, but last year, he played in this big, almost like a garage room, just bass player, hmm. and it was jaw dropping. Just so much energy and such focused, focused improv. It was just breathtaking. Really, really had incredible strength and then just tremendous variety and the flow of his music was amazing. And they were just playing for, I think they played 40 minutes without stopping. And they were incredible. Wow. That's fantastic. Also, Dor Dorthon Kirk, who was the widow of Rasan Roland Kirk, who's been at WBGO for... Um, many years. Uh, she is an incredible advocate for the music. She's a wonderful person. I've known her for 20 years um, and just kind of lights up the BGO uh, home headquarters, the station. She's highly respected all, all over the country, but especially in the New York area in Jersey, where the, uh, in, uh, Jersey City, where the uh, radio station is. And it's, it's really made me happy to see her name because she's the kind of person that does an enormous amount of work behind the scenes for a right. lot of artists for radio stations and it's the kind of person that if, if they're not there things don't get done right and yeah. if she is there and she's dynamic and it just lights up the room and knows everybody she's fantastic it's really really nice to see a nod of appreciation for what everything she's done for the music absolutely so congratulations again to Dorthon and Last but certainly not least, the composer and the vocalist, <laughs> Bobby McFerrin. Bobby McFerrin. Uh, we could all do our little vocal bang on the chest tribute to Bobby. But yeah, how's your beatboxing skills? Uh, yeah. Not so good. <laughs> not so good. Yeah. But, I mean, another one of those guys. That's yeah, it's like, what can you say? I mean, there's exactly. so many amazing things he's done. And he's an he's a amazing technician and all kinds, of, all kinds of stuff. Something interesting that I found out about about Bobby was that his Robert McFerrin Sr. was actually the first African American to perform with the Metropolitan Opera. No kidding. So I mean, talk about having a kind of big shoes to fill. Yeah, yeah, uh, no kidding. And I mean that kind of that explains a bit of where his talent comes from, huh? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, interesting stuff there. But I mean, four four great great you know, like you said, advocates and. Uh, 
well-deserving, well-deserving. So congratulations to everyone on that list. Jeff, do you want to do a little Dave Samuels? Oh, yeah, we lost Dave Samuels, which is very sad. He's, I know he's been sick for a while. Um, I knew him uh, back at Berkeley. He was you know, teaching vibraphone. Um, I think everybody knows who Dave Samuels is, but he was a longtime member of Spyro Gyra. And uh, Caribbean Jazz Project, which he did with Andy Norell. And Spyrojar was huge. Yeah. People oh, yeah. For, have forgotten how much radio play they got, how much they sold, they toured. They were everywhere. Yeah. They were huge. No doubt. Just I mean, it's funny because a lot of the high school jazz or whatever, maybe junior high and high school jazz festivals, uh, they were the guest artists on. It was always really actually amazing shows. <laughs> was, you know, I love some Spyrojar. And uh, he also had a... Uh, a group with um, Dave Friedman called Double Image, which is kind of a touring percussion duo. Uh, but he was a he was a big educator and a, a really nice dude. And you know, it's sad sad to lose him. Um, but I definitely wanted to make mention of that because uh, you know, and do do that more in these podcasts. You know, mm-hmm, absolutely because uh, we have so many so many legends out there. So I mean, I I, I think if you ask a lot of people to name a jazz musician. Uh, I think Miles Davis is probably one of the first ones that that they would give you. Um, well, they should. Where where do you even start with with someone like him and a, le- a legacy like his? I read his autobiography, Miles, in uh, fifth grade. So <laughs> wow. I got a really big education uh, in a lot of different ways with that. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, well, you get an idea if you just look at the box set which Columbia Records, Sony put out. Um, Two years ago, I think I'm not sure, maybe longer. Which has every one of his CBS recordings. It's a it's a hefty doorstop. It's huge, and it's it's got such I mean, from early days all the way through um, the 50s and 60s, uh, through Bill Evans into the uh, the Wayne and uh, Herbie Herbie band. Um, it's just just huge, huge amount of uh, of music. All changing in a lot of different ways, and uh, and then finally ending up with really electric. What do you think of the late Miles stuff? I love it. What do you think of Agarta? Well, you know, I do too. I mean, that that was the kind of the Miles that I was raised on in college. Yeah, and those were those uh, on the corner. Th- those records were all coming out at the same no time. Joke. Yeah, I mean, we knew who Pete Cozy was on guitar before right. we knew who the Everly Brothers were. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, I always, I always really loved it, and I know that he had such a fascination with Prince and and some of the the pop music that was happening right there in the '80s. And you know, I think he wanted to be a part of that, and he was always evolving. That's you know, if you could put one word to Miles Davis, it's constantly evolving, not looking back. Absolutely, you know, and he did that to the to the end. Absolutely, yeah. and was always breaking in new artists too. I mean, uh, Kenny Garrett, Bill right? Evans. Yeah, Bill Evans. Um, yeah, man, it's so many. Yeah, and and I mean, the thing that impresses me is not only did he evolve, but he did so when he was in the spotlight. You know, he was kind of one of the leading figureheads for the genre, would, wouldn't you say? And oh, kind of well, had a big spotlight on him all the time. All the time, and it was always, what was he up to next? Um, and he made some pretty sharp turns in the seventies and yeah. uh, alienated some people who thought everything should always be the beautiful plaintive lyric tone mm-hmm. yeah um i remember that when i was in college in the 70s uh on the corner was out and he was getting very electric and he was getting people like the guitarist pete cozy mm-hmm. and uh then 
he made the the band that uh, cut Agarta and Pangera, which were just mm-hmm. mind blowing, mm-hmm. electric, full blown juggernauts when the live music. Mm-hmm. I um, did you get to see any of those bands live? Here's here's my Miles Davis story. <laughs> Uh, I was going to college in Minnesota, small school. Minneapolis and Twin Cities has great art scene. Miles Davis with Herbie Hancock and the Headhunters opening at Orchestra oh, Hall. Oh, man. Um, yeah. Uh, the same place that I saw Bob Marley the first time in beautiful modern hall. Um, so we get all excited and go to the concert to find out that that was the concert that was canceled after... In um, 1975, he had some real health issues. He went to Japan, made some amazing records, Dark Magus, Agarta, and Pangea, which had that electric, rolling, driving, mm-hmm. hard edge band that alienated 90% of his <laughs> earlier fans. Right. Um, uh, with Sonny Fortune on alto, who sadly passed away, a wonderful guy. Pete Cozy and Reggie Lucas, he had two electric guitars, Al Foster on drums, Mtume on drums. And just a juggernaut of a band. So they were. I was going to see them at Orchestra Hall. Herbie Hancock and his band, The Headhunters, to open. Miles headline. Miles has a bleeding ulcer in Japan. Mm. Or no, after a concert in St. Louis. He mm. played in St. Louis two nights before. And that was the time, that was the day that his health just went down. And nobody saw him for a few years. Right. So we go to a concert hoping to see Miles... And no, we have to sit through two sets of Herbie Hancock and the Headhunters. Yeah, that's tense. that's not a bad. <laughs> but when you're looking, waiting for miles, and this was a concert, the only time I ever saw this is a great modern orchestra hall. Um, some guy on some chemical came running down the aisle, jumped on stage, <laughs> dove over the head, dove over the keyboards, and wiped out Herbie Hancock on the stage. No way! Knocked him down on the floor. Oh I've, I've never seen stagehands move so quickly yeah. and so violently wow. to get somebody off a stage. Hancock was stunned. Yeah, uh, everybody was stunned. Mike Clark, the drummer, <laughs> yeah, put down right? his set, put down his sticks, and started to go after the guy. Oh, yeah, drummers, they'll yeah. do that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, and the police took the guy away. Herbie got up, went off stage, came back, finished the set. Is this when Herbie started playing the guitar so he could get away from these fans? <laughs> no, he didn't. Have, like, that's what, probably why what started it. <laughs> wow. Then I, I didn't see Miles again for I saw him towards the end when he was playing with Schofield and Bill Evans and he made his comeback and uh Robert Irving the third and right. uh, that you know, which was wonderful stuff too. But that was that was the week that he wasn't. That was the week when he stepped off the scene for a while and it was like <laughs> the concert I really wanted to see, but it didn't happen. Yeah. I was actually at a live recording of On the Corner that happened here in Nashville at Third and Lindsley. Uh, with Dave Liebman and uh, Jeff Coffin, and that that was released in a bunch of local guys. But wow. that's a killer recording. I mean, yeah, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to talk to him about that at some point here. It's it's kind of one of those releases where if you know it, you know it, right? right. It's yep. one yep. of those sleeper picks. Speaking of you know releases, there's a, a complete list of our essential Miles Davis albums over on the site at archivejazz.com. Too many to name right here, but are there any other highlights for you guys? Well, wow. oh, man. Well, I mean, you could talk all day about this, but you know, like "Birth of the Cool" and you know, that's 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 a huge album. And uh, the shorter Hancock Tony Williams band. Oh. I mean, yeah, it's maybe. Well, there's many many great jazz bands, but that band maybe was 
at the time had some geniuses at the very top of their game. Absolutely. And I mean, Tony Williams was a drummer that like like no other drummer. It's like at the start of his game, he was at the top of his game. <laughs> right, right. In his lifetime records. That yeah, he oh made, my so, gosh, that stuff's amazing. With McLaughlin. Yep. And uh, yeah. So anyway, um, it, the thing with Miles is you, you take one Miles and then you just follow in that direction and it takes you to another world. I mean, it could go back to playing with Charlie Parker. And, yeah. I mean, you can think of, think of that career arc from playing with Charlie Parker and Tad Dameron all the way to Agarta and having and being attacked on the stage. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, electric concert. Yeah, no kidding. And that's that's kind of one of the cool things about that that process is, you know, he learned from someone and then he passed that knowledge on and that's kind of what it's all about, right? Yeah. And I mean, he could have at any time stuck with any one of those styles. He could have been a bebop trumpeter his whole life and it would have been whatever, but he just kept pushing and and all of that. So, really impressive career. He always reminds me of Picasso where you got the cubism mm-hmm. and you get the blue period and you get all these different things. You know, I think he was inspired by art and I think that made an impression on how he built his career too. I wouldn't sure. be surprised. He was also an artist himself. There you go. We've got, like we said, there's almost almost 30 titles on sale and uh, some really good ones in there, including the uh, the the final tour, the bootleg series, which which was the final edition of that was released last year. That's one that you're a fan of, right, Tom? Oh, you're talking about the one with Coltrane live. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. yeah. That's a very, very interesting recording. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah. There's, there's if you also- hear, there's just to mention, it's he had made some wonderful recordings with Miles, and they went on a European tour. But in the meantime, he had really his mind had kind of Coltrane had started to expand into extended modulations extended key changes and more modes than scales mm-hmm. indian kind of modes so on that first disc jeff you heard it um yep all of a sudden he he starts playing like it's in a not in like an entirely different key than the rest of the band he's just pushing it harmonically and you can almost hear miles going what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, it's just an incredible. If you listen to Kind of Blue and some of the, uh, the earlier stuff, and then to hear this live record when Coltrane is truly becoming Coltrane and mm-hmm. Miles is they're just beginning to go drift apart, it's really kind of jaw dropping. Mm-hmm. Amazing listen. Yeah, and uh, a quote from Ashley Kahn in his liner notes: He says, "Much happened on the 1960 tour on stage and off." including powerful, emotionally charred performances in which one can hear the swinging, divergent energy of a band and the unfiltered reactions of the European audiences. Pretty cool stuff. Yep. Speaking of Ashley Kahn, we're, we're working on getting him back for an interview um, about uh, another project that he was involved with recently, which is uh, the 2LP reissue of The Complete Birth of the Cool. And, with uh, some live recordings, yeah, which it's is a great story. Just amazing story that that band ever came together with, yeah. with those people. And uh, Ashley's did, a, as, as usual, done his great job writing about it and helping put it together. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a two LP box set on 180-gram vinyl, and that is available on June the 7th. And it's got a whole second LP is all the live recordings, which... Wow. I got to get all of that. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah. It's pretty neat to kind of hear the studio sessions and then, you know, hear them yeah. live. It's a pretty neat concept. And um, we were fortunate enough to be joined by Aaron Davis, the son of Miles Davis, and Vince Wilbur Jr., who is Miles's nephew. And uh, they spoke a bit about the Birth of the Cool release. And, and Tom, it seems like uh, 
all of the recordings couldn't be in better hands. You know, it's from what they told us, they're really trying to do, you know, the best, most justice possible to the music. It seems say? like, and in all these all these recordings come with stories, and there's almost no... Lee Konitz is, I think, the only person around from that nonette, and uh, they're they're doing they're doing great work, preserving this and getting the stuff out there, and and most importantly, it's great music. You do all this stuff and do all these reissues, all these notes and whatever, but if the music doesn't move you, or there's nothing being said by the players, musically, then right. it, you've got it upside down. But luckily, this is uh, well worth the wait, and uh, just to hear the uh, the uh, I believe it was a nonette. Um, just the way that we hear those Gil Evans, the music sliding around and the arrangements kind of coming right. into focus is really quite thrilling. In addition to that, um, you know, they've got a new documentary coming out, which from what they said, it seems like uh, it's been a big success so far. And that's um, called, fittingly, The Birth of the Cool. And that's a documentary film. And it's directed by uh, a multiple Emmy winner named Stanley Nelson Jr., who's uh, made some pretty cool documentaries in the past so should be something cool to look forward to we want to cut to the interview now let's go and so with that we'll cut to our interview with vince wilburn jr and aaron davis once again guys we really appreciate you taking the time and uh we're excited to talk about some some stuff that you guys have been involved with you've uh you've been pretty busy eh? yeah yeah we've got the uh the documentary birth of the cool we got a lot of travel to do this year. We got anniversaries of In a Silent Way and uh, final release, re-release of the uh, of actually the Birth of the Cool coming out real soon. And Rubber Band on Rhino. A rubber Band sessions too. Got Miles Electric record, right? Wow. Oh, yeah. The gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah. We're here to talk about Birth of the Cool. I mean, we got to focus here on something with all this stuff going on. What a fantastic project this is. It's just extraordinary, well, obviously famous session that uh, was in print for many, many years in Capitol. Now it's getting expanded. It's getting uh, the attention that it's always deserved, two LP set. Uh, what brought this on? Did somebody look at this and say, hey, there's more stuff here that just needs to be put out? And I mean, this has been a catalog item for a long time. It's just been one of the most important pivot records, I guess you could say, in the Miles Davis catalog. Was it the well, anniversary, I, anniversary or just... Uh... Yeah, I think it's 70 years since the, the session dates. And wow. I think that there were some new, some guys that we know over at Universal um, who thought it was time to like really get into it and make a nice final, uh, like a, a new pressing and uh, add some stuff. And I think it's going to come out really cool. This LP was everywhere. That old LP, that reissue that uh, came out, I guess, in the mid to late 60s, was kind of an essential record. Everywhere you look, people had it or were talking about it. And this was, what, 30 years after it was recorded. So, uh, And now to look back, look back on it now, it seems even more vibrant. It really seems like there was some changes going on when this record was made. Just the way the arrangements are, it was Gil Evans coming out and really making a statement for the first time. And it really kind of stands as a pivot that was never, I mean, it was never, it didn't lead to that much as far as difference in the music at the time. In the legacy of Miles Davis, there's kind of a before this record and after this record. Uh, <laughs> would you say that's kind of accurate? Um, well, for me, this is Vince. Um, like you said, the start of Gale and Miles and, and things to come, you know? Mm -hmm. 
for any of the music that 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 we listen to, Aaron and I, it, it always sounds fresh, no matter if it's forty years ago, if it was sixty years ago. It 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 it, it um. It has a life. And yeah, I mean, it it has a. a, a I don't want to say resurgence. I mean, it's just it's just exciting as it was. Every time we listen to it, it, it it's, it's exciting, you know. And for each each person that that listens to it, it, it affects them in different ways, you know. And that's what we get a lot of from the fans, you know, from mm-hmm. from people that write in, people that send us emails, you know. Yeah, I think that's very it's, interesting. It's, it's, Your perspective of what how it resonates with the public still. His music doesn't have any age barriers. Any, it doesn't cover. It's not. It's it's, it's for it's for the world. It's, it doesn't. You know, like hip hop guys, mm-hmm. rock guys, uh, jazz guys love it. It, it. You know, loves all the music. And, and and a lot of guys, surprisingly, are coming to me with with the digging birth of the cool. A lot of hip hop cats. So it's like, you know, you never know. You know yeah. that the music the music touches everybody, all races. You know, it's great, man. It's universal. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised, or not surprised, but it's, it's a, interesting to hear that the hip-hop guys are mentioning it because it doesn't really hit you in the, over the head with the beats, but it's just got such a pulse that goes through the whole project. Um, You'd be surprised, man. Right, Aaron? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> You'd be surprised what, what, what guys get out of, out of, out of uh, we call him the chief, out of yeah. his music, you know, yeah. no matter what, what, especially Birth of the Cool, Bitches mm-hmm. Brew, On the Corner. Well, you're talking to somebody who's on a lot of those when, when when they came out. I remember where I was sitting when I heard Agartha the first time. Oh yeah, I was <laughs> I was listening to Pangea. It's another. It's a Japanese yep. import. Yep. I was listening listening to that yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, and it sounds as fresh as it did when 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 it came out. Oh, if yeah, it's it's frightening how good it is and how fresh yeah. it is and yeah. how well it stands up. We're not talking about it here. Or we're talking about another release. But those bands that you know, with Sonny Fortune and uh, just but Al, Michael mandible. Henderson, Pete mm-hmm. Cozy, yeah, yep. Yeah. yep, Reggie yep. Lucas, M. Tume. Yep, that was that's like an all-star lineup on every session. Yeah, huh. but back to this. This was a whole different world when uh, Birth of the Cool was made. It was music was changing, a lot of expansion, and then. Typical large ensemble was essentially like a big band, but this was a large ensemble that was not like a big band. It was uh, obviously with Gil Evans involved, more colors, more shapes, more textures than you would get with your very typical uh, large ensemble band. It just seems like Miles was just kind of overseeing all of it and making it all come together. I, th- I think they just had a had an idea, uh, a concept, and they wanted to record with this, you know, with the nine players, and you know, work with Gill's arrangements, and just you know, do something a little bit different than what was going on, you know, leading up to that. You know, he, I think that especially the two of them working together, but I think that 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 Miles had a, you know, he had a lot of like desire to hear something different than what was already going on in the in the current scene, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, Birth of the Cool is just one of those. You know, it's like one of those first things. You know, he was younger then. You know, he was he really made a name for himself off that record. And love working with Gil. We were talking to somebody about it the other day about Miles and Gil and how they how they got along so well and how they just kind of understood each other and like respected each other. And I just think that uh, I, I mean, I almost wish there was more stuff they'd done together. But there's, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of it out there. But 
But you know, this is a great place to start if you've never heard anything like that. What were what were some of their later collaborations on Sony or on CBS at the time for Columbia? When I met Gil, they, he was I was you know I was like ten or eleven or ten or eleven or twelve, and uh, he was just sitting listening to them rehearse uh, like the We Want Miles era stuff, like the yeah. you know, and it was he wasn't you know arranging it; he was just there to like listen to it, and they, he would talk to Miles about it, and you know he would sit cross-legged in the middle of the room of the rehearsal studio listening to these guys play, and with his eyes closed, just chilling, you know, and. I think just having him there, you know, just just to just to bounce ideas off of. I think those kind of even those kind of collaborations, the ones that don't get credited, those things are, I think are always important. Absolutely, and those are the kind of things that a lot of you know a lot of the public doesn't know that this you know yeah. people are communi- are still communicating or talking. They look at like a discography and say, oh, they worked together in '54 or so or whenever, and yeah. don't realize that somebody like Gil Evans had big ears and waited. It was the middle of it, a lot of stuff, not just his own his own music. Exactly. But, but, but and they were close, as Aaron said. You know, they were close off the uh, out of the studio and off the bandstand. You know? mm-hmm. They did a tour in '83, Miles and Miles and Gill. Really, Gill of Orchestra of Japan. Yeah, you see, there's some footage around. And uh, when we did Man with the Horn in in 1980, like 79-80, Gil used to come by 30th Street and just hang out, you know, and just, you know, he he didn't even know he was there. He was just chilling in the corner, like, you know, mm-hmm. Aaron should just, <laughs> like, you know, just smoke a little joint, smoke a little herb. <laughs> I remember he, had a, he used to wear these Indian headbands, you know, and have his hair yeah. parted down the middle. Yeah, but he was just chill. And then yeah. Uncle Miles yeah. would go over and whisper to him, and he would whisper it back, and then they would, you know. Yeah, all those little beaded was, headbands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were really close, and Aaron and I are close to to uh, to uh, to Gil's kids, mm-hmm. Miles and Noah and Anita. But check out some YouTube. I think it's some Miles and Gil, nineteen eighty three. I used to have the satin baseball jacket with Miles yeah, and Gil. Yeah, I remember that. Tour. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, but uh, it's got to be some footage around. Did you guys want to talk a little bit at all about the documentary um, and kind of your yeah. involvement with that process? And, yeah, that's exciting. And what's that been like? And I, we've been to Sundance, South by Southwest, um, San Francisco Jet uh, Film Fest. We're off tomorrow to Toronto for the Toronto Film Fest. And no, no, it's, hot, it's hot docs in Toronto. I'm sorry, hot docs, yeah, in Toronto. Okay. Yeah. And then we, and then later on, we go to South Africa for the, one of the film festivals. But everywhere that it's viewed, people are loving it. We love it. We when when Stanley Nelson, who's the director, sent us the link. It's a funny story. He came in like about nine thirty at night, and I called Stanley at four in the morning in New York and told him how incredible it was. <laughs> you know, he said, "Man, don't you ever sleep?" <laughs> and he went back to sleep. You know, but we, we're loving it. We're, we're very yeah. excited and happy. For, for our listeners, um, fill us in on exactly what it is. Well, we'd give it away. Yeah, oh, all right. Go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. We'll just give it a tease. It's called Miles Davis, Birth of the Cool. It's a very comprehensive look at his life and times. And, uh, you know, they can't get everything in there, but there's a, there's, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of great footage. There's a lot of great interviews. I, like I said, like Vince, I don't want to give away too much, but it's, it's, it's really worth seeing whether you're a, a new fan or a, a seasoned fan, like you know his material. If you're just curious about him and his mystique, it's great to check out. 
uh, you'll you'll get a lot out of it. It's a really great documentary. Stanley Nelson and his team did a fantastic job. Uh, I know it was a lot of work for them, and uh, we're just so proud and uh, happy to to. We can't wait for it to to come out for people to see it on the theaters and also on American Masters. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, it, it really it's, it's incredible. And and it's a soundtrack coming out on Sony Legacy. What what's been your favorite favorite uh, festival so far? <laughs> Cause I, I love Sundance because we got to play and we had they had a party for us. I mean for yeah. for us, for Uncle Miles, and so we they have the band play Miles Electric Band. These guys that consist of just myself and the guys that play with Miles, Daryl Jones, those guys. So we played after the screening in in Sundance, and that was kind of amazing, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was really cool. So, nice. but uh, Sundance is great. All our festivals have been great because you 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 feed off the energy of the audiences, right? Cause yeah, I just yeah. like, you know, I like to hear uh, what people, how people respond to certain things in the film yeah. and uh, talk about it with, with Stanley's and Nicole, uh, Nicole London, one of the, uh, the producer of the film. She was at the last screening we saw in San Francisco Film Festival. And, you know, she said at other film festivals, you know, the reactions are slightly different. They're all positive, but they're just like certain places get more uh, <laughs> laughter or right. more, right. you know, uh, so the audience not, is a little not different? shock, but you know you get a gasp here and there, or like a sigh or whatever. But you know, it's, <laughs> it's just great. One lady was in Atlanta, talked back to the film, like "Yeah, Miles" or something like that. You know, <laughs> right? You know, and then, and then, a personal then, conversation. Oh yeah, yeah. and the, yeah. and Nicole, we dedicated the the, the uh, last screening to Francis, who passed away. Yes. Uh, you know, she's really prominent in the, in the documentary. You know, it's it's really beautiful. I was yeah. talking to Aaron's mom yesterday, and I told her that, well, you know, I don't want to give it away, but she she said some beautiful things. It's just, it's just awesome. Aaron and I are in it. You yep. know, Wayne, Herbie, mm-hmm. Cheryl, yeah, Cheryl, uh, my cousin, Aaron's sister, Lenny White, uh, Marcus. It's just it's beautiful. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Ron Carter's interview is really cool. Oh yeah. Oh, I bet yeah. he had a few Wayne. things to say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Ron, this 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 is great. It's great. Fantastic. Well, we all look Corky, one of Uncle Miles' best friends, man. Corky's in it, you know. Yeah. Mark Rothbaum, who used to manage, who manages Willie Nelson, who used to manage Uncle Miles, he's in it. Wow. So it sounds like they left no stone unturned looking, getting people out that could contribute, so. No, no, Stanley was, was diligent. He met with us, met with Aaron and I a few times, came out to L.A. and then, you know, took notes. And what is, I'm sorry, him. but what is the actual title of it? And Birth of the my- Cool. Miles Davis, Birth of the Cool. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Miles Davis, Birth of the Cool. All right. I'm looking at the liner notes for Birth of the Cool. So So if you hashtag Miles Davis movie, a lot of times it pops up. Well, guys, I I don't want to keep you guys too much longer here, but was there anything else uh, that you might want to, you know, throw into the mix here? We've got a new turntable coming out designed by Macintosh, the uh, high-end. Oh, yeah? um, Yeah, with with, uh, excited about that. I think we're going to do a... uh, a release maybe towards the uh, maybe September, August, September, with some uh, Uncle Miles, the Miles engraved Davis? into the Miles Davis turntable. Is, is is it called yes. the Miles? Davis? Oh my God! Yes, it's select. Oh yeah, it's it's a uh, limited edition. Wow! Miles Davis Macintosh turntable to listen to your vinyl. <laughs> your five feet of vinyl, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. We've got Mount Blanc pins, Miles Davis pins. You know, um, for, you know, there's a lot of pin collectors in the world. 
Oh yeah, sure. You know, when Aaron and I go to to to, to get in, on the phone with Sony or or or, or Universal, all the uh, Cobalt, there's so much music. We just want to tastefully do it, put it together, and package it, and 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 along with the labels, you know, present it. it it's it, long after we're gone, there'll be more music. We just want to do it the right way, the way we think Uncle Miles would be, you know, would 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 say, yeah, you guys, are, you know, yeah, present it to, you know, yeah, awesome. in a way that everybody would love it. Yeah, and, and also, not, not not saturate the market, or not think that the family's putting things out just because it, you know for the money. It's not. It's never that. It's never that. It's always about the integrity of the music. Mm-hmm. So we'd like the listeners to know that. Like you got a lot of high integrity music to work with. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, we do, and that's exciting because we're both musicians. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, when we go into the vaults, we're like, Aaron, did you check? Cause you checked out. Wow, you know, we're like it's like a uh, the Avengers Marvel. Co- you know, it's like the movies. It's like, but it's for your ears. It's like, wow. Oh, yeah. You know, then we both play with Uncle Miles, so we reflect on that. We reflect mm-hmm. on tours. You know, it's just pretty cool. You're two lucky guys, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah we're Never. blessed. Blessed. Yeah. yeah. But also, uh, it's a blessed record pub- or public that you guys are taking such care and getting this stuff out so strategically and smart and with, uh, you know, so much respect for the project. But there's always something new, and uh, the audience is going to be there. and for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. Well, we yeah, respect man. we respect our, our Aaron's dad and my uncle. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. from day one. That's what he instilled in us. Yep. Yes, sir. Because I live with Aaron and, and 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 Uncle Miles out in Malibu, and you know, every day was an adventure, and and it was a it was a, it was it was it was, a, it was I call it Miles Davis University. It was learning. We learned learned so much. You know. I just one one little anecdote. There was when I was in college. Um, buying Miles Davis records right and left because I bought them in high school and finally got a chance to see him Herbie and the Herbie Hancock and the Headhunters were mm-hmm. opening and Miles and his group were going to play Orchestra Hall in Minneapolis which unfortunately was two days after they played in St. Louis I, you guys remember this when his uh, ulcers acted up and all of a sudden he couldn't tour anymore and I think that's when uh, he had some health problems and he just he quit. That was seventy four, right? Yeah, that would be that would be just about right because I had tickets to see him, and we ended up getting two sets of Herbie Hancock and the Headhunters, and no Miles. Not bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> it wasn't bad. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah uh, no, that was. But you know, like to I be a college that. kid and listen to Miles Davis all these years, and finally <laughs> get tickets to see him. I remember that because yeah. I remember that 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 date. You know, yeah. uh, uh, Michael Henderson's had an aunt who lived in St. Louis, and after the after the gig was canceled in St. Louis, we flew to Chicago, and he, and he had these oatmeal raisin cookies, and as a, that's what I remember. <laughs> I was like, damn, Michael's, your aunt made these great oatmeal raisin cookies, you know. <laughs> Sorry that the tour didn't happen, you know, because it was, I saw him in Chicago at the Auditorium Theater. Mm-hmm. And that band, well, oof, it was rough. Yeah. It was rough. Because Pete Cozy lived in Chicago, you know, uh-huh. so I used to go to Pete's house and, Pick his brain, you know. Mm-hmm. But that band, boy, I saw it with Liebman and Sonny Fortune. Wow. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Band of a yeah. force of nature. Yeah, and then Aaron and I said, we, you know, we're tight with Herbie and Mike Clark and all those guys. You know, the mm-hmm. drummer that was in the original Headhunters and mm-hmm. Benny Maupin comes to all our our events and you know, we play with Benny. So you know, we have oh, studios. Cool. We both have studios, so we record a lot too. Very cool. There you go. Yeah. Well, I look look forward to hearing more of your music. Yeah. Cool. 
Awesome. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. We'll get this posted. I appreciate it. And good luck with all, with all of this stuff coming down the pike. It's uh, well-deserved, and uh, I'm sure thanks, it's guys. good hands. Definitely. All right, thanks always, so much, If we man. can't get to you, always go to milesdavis.com because Aaron and I post up you know, regularly. Oh, cool. Yeah, again, thank you so much, and, and we'll be in touch, guys. All right. All right, okay, thanks, thanks, guys. Be well. Cheers, guys. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Thanks to Aaron and Vince for dropping by and sharing their stories. Yeah. Yeah, they've got a they've got a lot going on, so it was awful nice of them to to take the time and appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. So, we've got a great episode uh, for you guys next time. We just wrapped up an interview with Dr. Ryan Mida, and Ryan is the director of jazz studies at Vanderbilt's Blair School of Music. Is that correct? Director of Global Jazz Studies. Awesome. Yeah, um, it was great to interview. So that this is all about. Uh, uh, Vanderbilt this year, Blair School of Music, um, won the Large Ensemble uh, Downbeat Student Music Award. And, you know, there's there's several different categories and many winners for for all of those categories. But, you know, um, having known him, uh, it was great to get him in just to talk about it mm-hmm. and the way he's developed that program. And really, I think on, this, on these podcasts, we want to start adding in a lot more of the jazz education side of things mm-hmm. and, and catching all, all angles of the jazz industry in general. And that's a big one. Absolutely, um, jazz yeah. in the schools, no doubt. Cool. Um, but yeah, they just—they finally have a new uh, a jazz major there, which has been a long time coming. So it was interesting to hear about that and hear about the process getting into, uh, you know, for auditioning for the downbeat things. And it's such a good, uh, a good magazine, a good uh, organization um, to continue to uh, bring out young artists and, and really people put people on the map, you know, for that and. Gives us an early warning of, of some careers that are coming up. For sure. Yeah, so congratulations again to Ryan and, uh, and the entire program there. And that's actually going to be released next week. So we're doing two weeks in a row. So that'll be, that'll be live on May 31st. Um, you can go check out our last episode with a couple of ECM artists, Giovanni Guidi and Arani Agbabian. Arani. Yeah, a couple of great... Uh, <laughs> Couple of great artists. She told me how to t- say it, pronounce oh, it, yeah, first, it right. first name. So I, you know, I'm, I'm carrying the torch. There you yeah. go. There you go. And as always, follow the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, um, so you can get notifications when we release a new episode. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, we've got some lots of really cool stuff going on. And go check out our list of Miles Davis titles and get lost in that. There's there's plenty to dig into there, eh, guys? No, no doubt. And with that, I think uh, I think we're just about wrapped yeah. up, guys. We better turn these mics off before uh, before we, we really go off the rails. Yeah, we, we, we gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, till next time, guys. My name's Christopher Peck. I'm Tom Everett, and I'm Jeffrey Lean. And thanks for listening. <laughs>